Hey, I'm Courtney, and this is the Now Calling Courtney podcast. Hey guys, how are we doing? Hope that spending some time with me, your fun single friend, brightens up your day. I like to think that it's like we're getting ready together and talking as you maybe are going to go out or you're going to go for a drive, go to brunch or coffee, my personal favorite. Or maybe you're going to travel this weekend and you're taking me on a plane with you. But those vibes probably today more so than usual because like good friends do, I'm going to be getting a little vulnerable because of our question of the day. I've been reflecting on this question since recently. I've been asked a few times what I'm looking for in a guy and I realized my answer has changed from what it's been for a really long time. So let me tell you what today's question of the day is. I would love to know what has changed for you in terms of looking for a guy from your 20s now that you're in your 30s. Ooh, that is a juicy question, right? You guys did not come to play, but I love them. So if you're listening and you're wondering how much tea I'm going to spill, I'm going to pour some. We're going to give nicknames to the mentioned boys, just like we're in seventh grade again, you know, my squad and I, but you send Rio characters and Disney characters as aliases when we would pass notes or write in notebooks about these guys. But the funny thing is that once I start to introduce you to all the boys I've loved before, we'll just keep mentioning them by their aliases in many episodes to come because they have taught me a lot. To give you a lay of the land, I've never been in love with someone where it was mutual. I've never been in a serious relationship. But I would say that I've had two great loves. And I call them that because they were way more than crushes. Like I've had several crushes. And these were guys that I cared about deeply. I feel deeply and I think deeply. And that was the case for these two. And I was thinking about my pattern of that or you know, just like my tendency that I like love and feel so deeply. And I can trace that back to being impacted by one of my favorite shows in high school, Dawson's Creek. Do any of you guys remember the WB, which turned into the CW? That was my weekly teen angst, and I loved it so much. And I swear to you, these relationships between Dawson, the main character, his best friend Joey, who was the adorably young Katie Holmes before she blew into the global superstar we know now, and Pacey, everyone's favorite bad boy, and all the love triangles these, this is the stuff that all the best Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo songs are about now. So much angst. So, so much. And I'm not sure if I liked it because I was angsty or if I'm angsty because I liked it, but it was just firmly cemented in my brain that I wanted the friends to love her storyline from the first moment that it was revealed that the girl next door, Joey, was in love with her neighbor, and soulmate Dawson. And we're talking like deep, deep soul connections. They use tons of 
big dialogue to communicate all of these feelings for being, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And then I, they did a time jump where I think at the end they were like 27. So now imagine how I felt when on a June afternoon at summer camp, when I was 18, I met the guy who I thought would be my Dawson, who we're going to call MD, you know, literally my Dawson. Some additional context, for a long time, I saw myself as the ugly fat friend who was not popular with guys. <laughs> not awkward. My awkward stage started when I was 11 and it ended around 26. Obviously, those insecurities were going to show up in all sorts of ways. But MD, my Dawson, was the first guy who I could joke with. And I felt a spark like, wait, wait, are you like flirting back with me? <gasps> it was so foreign. The summer that I was 18 was the first time I felt confident enough to be flirty and playful. And then my confidence just started to soar. So combine that with having high speed internet for the first time when we went to college and we were chatting all the time. And you know, your freshman year, you're going through so many changes. We both had recently become Christians and we're just trying to figure out things like make friends at college. And thankfully we went to different colleges because if we went to the same college, I would have been obsessed. But what was attractive to me about MD was his confidence. So going back to summer camp, you know, I'd been going for years. It was like my domain. I looked forward to it, but he actually didn't know anyone well at camp, but seemed completely unbothered by that and was willing to be friends with whoever. And that was super attractive. But also, importantly, he wasn't already attached to one of my pretty and popular friends who a lot of guys that I grew up with already were. And so this began a thing that shaped what I was looking for in guys in my 20s, which was, as I alluded, I wanted the friends to lover storyline with a dependable romantic family man that was well-respected and a very traditional picture of a family. Like I was planning on getting wifed up and having three kids by 30. And that was something I wanted because I was raised in a very untraditional family with lots of issues, divorced parents. So the list of what I wanted was, you know, top of the list, I would say like, I wanted to marry my best friend. That just sounded like the best. I'd always wanted like the best friend and that was the lockdown. But you know, wanted him to be a godly leader, an awesome dad, respected by others, very committed to serving at church and read his Bible regularly and invest in people. And for some reason, it was very important to me that he didn't play too many video games. In researching for this podcast, I actually had a list of, I think there were like 18 different criteria that I made in college and video games was like two separate points where I quantified he couldn't play a certain number of hours in a day and couldn't play more than a couple times a week. Nope. And when I think about that list, I just kind of cringe, but it's hilarious. And to want to kind of wrap up that list was, you know, I wanted to be able to have fun and joke around, you know, have like the flirty, flirty vibes going on. But that was, you know, bottom of the list after all of these other character things. And I read a lot of the Christian dating books that would emphasize, you know, not being like too emotionally vulnerable and making sure that this person like really loves God and has like very strong character. So none of these are bad things, but looking back, 
I wanted someone who I could follow and submit to easily because I respected him and his life trajectory was the trajectory that I wanted for myself. And honestly, because I was still pretty insecure about what I could offer to the world and to people, I wanted to be someone that I was like an addition to someone else's life and that it would be my life's joy and purpose to be their, their helper. And then I would seriously like level up in my value too. So, you know, if this guy is well-liked, well-respected, gets along with people and it's like he socially endorses me, that's going to, in a sense, kind of validate who I am. And I wouldn't, you know, articulate any of this, but looking back, I'm like, oh, that's that's definitely what was going on here. But it makes sense because in your 20s, you're figuring out so much. Your career, your family dynamic, now that you're not a kid anymore, your friend groups, like those change a ton in your 20s, especially as people get married. You're really not solidified in who you are as a person because there's so much that's fluid in your life. And that was definitely true of me. In my circumstance, everything felt so high stakes when it came to marriage and dating because everyone that I was around was actually very serious and intentional in marriage. So the good thing is that there wasn't much heartbreak over people playing or, you know, like going on dates and then just using people. And I really respect that about MD. Like he never gave me mixed signals. Never once thought that he liked me aside from like maybe the first like couple months that we were chatting. But that's because we were still like so young and dumb and lonely (laughs) at college. But I secretly hoped that one day he would wake up and realize, OMG, I'm in love with Court. She's amazing. It's like Dawson realizing he was in love with Joey after seeing her compete at the beauty pageant. Or like Zach seeing Lainey and she's all that when she comes down the stairs. The classic ugly duckling was secretly a swan this entire time. Like, I think it says more about me than it does about these guys. But personally, I do think that I had decent, pretty decent taste in men in my 20s. I could tell the diamond of the season. And I can verify that by the fact that not only one... But two of my friends also ended up catching feelings for MD, which was both a confirmation that I can tell a good guy when I see one, but it was torture, obviously. So with my eyes being in only one direction and my crowd being so serious and purposeful about who they were asking out, I was really not playing the dating game at all. These guys were not flirtatious and they also weren't asking me out. So I view it as I was basically benched for like all of my 20s. And that's probably because I was still in love with MD for a total of six freaking years. But plot twist. Remember how I said that Two of my friends also caught feelings for him. Turns out I was Dawson. He was Joey. And he ran off with his Pacey. You want him. You want him like I want you. You you love him like I love you. The difference is he loves you back the same way. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it or YouTube it. It's like one of the most famous love triangles of millennial television. So what do you do when your dream guy gets taken off the market? You leave town. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But but in reality, though, things did change. 
when I was getting ready to move to the SF Bay Area in my mid to late 20s. The one afternoon I was hanging out with a couple that I was living with at the time. And my friend Kevin says he heard that San Jose was actually Man Jose <gasps> because there were so many single guys in Silicon Valley. I said I didn't know about that, but I, I will admit, I'll admit it to you guys. I was pretty confident I was going to settle down in the Bay Area, get married, and not come back. Moving to the Bay seemed like a good move. I mean, I wasn't going for the purpose of getting married, but hey, it was going to be a new pool of guys who would know the slightly more mature version of me, who actually also recently had a glow up the year I moved was the year that I started wearing makeup and dressing in things other than shorts and flip-flops and tank tops because I was in San Diego. But you just frankly need to wear more clothes when you're in the Bay Area because it's so cold. But in kind of where I'm at in life, I had tied a lot of my personal security to this future relationship, financially, emotionally, and socially, as I've described. And I will tell you that you should not do that. No. Nope. I've observed in my friends' marriages that you don't have one strong person and one weak person. And in this situation, I was kind of going in as the weaker person. It's really more of an ebb and flow of strengths between the partners, depending on what life has for you. And when you think about making wedding vows to stay together in sickness and health, I wasn't really thinking about the reality of miscarriages, infertility, a pandemic, leaving churches because of conflict, losing friends, lawsuits, unemployment, dementia, cancer. These are all things my friends and I started to experience as we progressed into our 30s. Interest and personality can change too. And one of my friends told me recently that the person that you marry is not the person that you stay married to. And she gave me the example of her husband who when he was in his 20s, he was just really sweet and bubbly and very friendly. And you know, now that we're 38, you know, he's a lot more serious. He has more responsibility on his family. Realistically, he's just more tired. And sometimes she wonders, where did that guy go that she married? But you know, he's the same person, but different. And even for myself, I realized my personality and interests have been changing as I'm getting older. And guys, we're all changing all the time. Okay, so let's return to the timeline. Now we're in my early 30s. I'm still single, haven't been on a real first date yet, and I'm having to figure out my whole security complex because there's no man in the picture, but very expensive rent that needs to be paid every month in the Bay Area. However, there are a lot of options in terms of guys. But it was beaten into me during my very serious 20s to not get caught up with chemistry and to look more at a person's character before getting involved. While I don't think that's bad advice, I can't change the fact that chemistry does matter a lot to someone like me who just has a lot of feelings. And my feelings are so strong that I can direct them, but I can't change them. And it's not the end of the world to make mistakes and have situationships where you do catch feelings and end up getting hurt because it burns in your mind what you need to avoid in the future, which I will talk about more in a future episode about red flags and guys, but that's what I needed. And at some point I caught major feelings for Mr. NH, which stands for not him. Like spoiler alert, it's not him. He's not the guy for me at the end of this story. Nope. So Mr. NH really messed me up. There was definitely chemistry of some sort. 
and a lot of flirty flirty going on. And even though he had like no traits for my 20s dream guy list, I just I just went with it. It's because I wanted to have fun. I was into him. He was texting me. And I was like, all right, sure. Like, let's let's go for it. The fun didn't last though. And I experienced for the first time how delusional I could be. And also the extent to which my interests were molded to whatever he was into so that I could be like, oh, we have so much in common. (laughs) Remember how I said I would want to be an addition to someone's life? I was taking the supportive friend slash besties to lovers thing to like a new level that I had not done before. All the things he said he liked, I wanted to try. He bought this hoodie. I bought that hoodie in a different color. The places he said he liked to eat at, I would suggest that we go to. He liked playing Taylor Swift on the guitar, and I have never played so much guitar in my life. And I was like, oh, I hate myself in that season for being such a doormat because this did not end very well. But like I mentioned, after that experience, it totally changed what I'm looking for in my ideal guy now because I made a ton of mistakes. It was the worst heartbreak I've ever experienced. Like we're talking secret Tumblr with angsty notes, Taylor Swift lyrics of all of the things I wanted to tell him, but like absolutely could not because he would think I was psychotic (laughs) for this episode. Along with looking at my past Zanga, I looked at my past Tumblr and I immediately cracked up. The pain wasn't funny and it lasted for a really long time. But when I think about who he is now and what his life is like, It's like, oh, girl, you dodged a bullet. Now, going back to what I'm looking for now, after this bad experience and realizing that I could really get my head turned by a playful charmer who's good at sports, what I really want now is just for my soul to connect with another soul and for us to mutually decide that we're committed to a relationship together, like building a life together. I had a really long list in my 20s of the traits that I wanted this guy to have, but I kind of evaluate people differently now. And it's because the actions of someone's life will change, but what doesn't really change is like their soul and the makeup of who they are and their character. And I actually trust my soul to recognize when I'm connecting with a person because I've experienced it in friendships. You know, when you meet someone and you decide, I want to have you around for life. That's, I've been very gracious for that to happen to me multiple times. And naturally, our morals and values are going to be aligned because at this point, not being aligned would not only be compromising, it would make it really hard to find things to talk about. And if you're not talking, you're not going to be building that bond. So if I had to describe what this person might be like, it's more about someone who compliments who I am instead of me conforming to someone else. Or, you know, it's like be compliment each other mutually. I've gotten to know myself a lot more and I have been building a life that I pretty much love instead of waiting to just hitch my wagon onto someone else's horse. At 38, I'm a more defined person. And ironically, I've learned that I'm a little bit like water. My creativity, my affection, my attention are pretty fluid and they change up and they just go to where my interests are at the time. And I need someone who will respect me and my creative process and everything. So he's got to 
be down to just let the water flow and be a guide, kind of like boulders that are in a riverbank. I can also tell you the things that repel me are needy and emotional people that are very self-conscious. And that makes sense because those types of people would pull me away from what I'm focusing on to be all about them. And that's just not going to mesh with where my interests and now my other relationships are. And I would love it if we did life together, like investing in our families together and just building something that really blends the two of us into one, which sounds really cheesy. (laughs) But other than that, physically, I'm attracted to tall, slender guys with good hair. And that hasn't changed since I was in my 20s. But honestly, that's totally secondary. I believe that when I meet him, as opposed to Mr. NH, it'll kind of all just make sense and it'll happen without me having to put in a lot of effort to manifest it. So I've officially given up my dreams of the friends to lover storyline for the we just met and I felt really comfortable and I want to do this for the rest of my life storyline. And I honestly would love it. The cherry on top would be if he's somebody that finds me really charming because instead of me being charmed, I would just love to charm him endlessly and make him laugh and feel loved. That was a lot. So you guys now know some of my paramount situationships, which I share so that you can see where I'm coming from, which was the super regimented list of the 30 things he must be worthy of to now just trusting God and life to bring the people I need in my life at the same time. And now it's your turn. If you're single, I would love to know what you're looking for and maybe we can find someone from you. And also if you think you have somebody you want me to meet, let me know. It's my goal to go on a date and to actually enjoy that date in 2022. Uh, We're halfway through the year and I haven't made a lot of progress. And we'll see if anything changes. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and rate this podcast. And tune in next Thursday for the next juicy chat between you and I. See you later, friends.